0: We'll hear argument first this morning, number 941837, the Barnett Bank of Marion County versus Bill Nelson, Florida Insurance Commissioner. Mr. Lewin.
1: Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court, this case concerns the validity of a Florida statute enacted in 1974 that flatly prohibits financial institutions such as banks, including national banks, from selling life and fire insurance. The case is here on certiorari to the 11th Circuit, which upheld the Florida law on the remarkable proposition that a law that prohibits banks from selling life insurance is, within the meaning of the McCarran-Ferguson Act, a law that regulates the business of insurance while a 1916 Federal law that explicitly does the contrary and authorizes national banks to sell life insurance is not within the meaning of the very same McCarran-Ferguson Act, a law that specifically relates to the business of insurance. The statement of that proposition is we submit its own refutation flatly prohibiting all banks from engaging in the business of being an insurance agent is, we believe, not a bona fide regulation of the business of insurance. But if it is, then it's converse, the 1916 federal law that authorizes national banks to do precisely what the Florida law prohibits. That is, to sell life insurance through licensed agents must be a law that specifically relates to the business of insurance. Now, that language that I've been referring to regulates the business of insurance or relates to the business of insurance grows out of the two-pronged test of validity prescribed by the McCarran-Ferguson Act. Whenever an act of Congress conflicts with any law enacted by any state, the Mr. statute. Cohen, I,
2: I, I assume that the, the, Florida, court, or the Florida courts and the Eleventh Circuit's uh, view of the matter is that uh, the Florida statute um, is a statute that uh, governs insurance. It's about insurance. The federal statute is a statute that's about banks. Now, what it says banks can do is sell insurance, but I think what what the 11th Circuit says is that doesn't specifically relate to, to insurance within the meaning of the statute, because this,
1: the provision is about banks. The statutes, Justice Scalia, of course, use the word regulate in the first portion of the right. section and it says that the state law in order to even satisfy the first of these two hurdles has to have as its purpose regulating the business of insurance the broader term is the second term the second term speaks about relates to the business of insurance it appears to us certainly you can't even even if a statute speaks about banks it also relates to insurance if it says, as the 1916 law does, specifically that banks may sell insurance policies. I, I, so agree, so- I
2: agree with you that any, any, any legislation that regulates insurance relates to insurance, but does any legislation that, regu- that regulates insurance specifically relate to insurance? It does. You does. could regulate it, can't you? Regulate insurance in passing. I mean, that's the argument made here. That, that really, they they, uh, uh, the federal uh, the federal legislation may you may even say it regulated insurance, but it did it only in passing, not specifically.
1: But the word specifically, we submit, means to distinguish between the statutes that would include insurance within some broader statutory term commercial services, various kinds, but it, uh, certainly a statute specifically relates to insurance when the word insurance appears in that statute five times. If the Court will look at Section 92, which appears at 1A and 2A of the appendix to our brief. Life fire, life or other insurance is specified in there and the word insurance appears explicitly in that statute on five different occasions. Nothing. But,
3: to ruin, you, but even so, why can't one read these two provisions, the state and federal, as compatible, as not in conflict? The federal law may specifically relate to insurance, but why not as one of the Uh, one of your opponents argued, why not read the federal law as simply giving the bank's permission to enter this line of business, which it couldn't enter without federal permission, just giving it federal permission, yet subject to whatever regulation the state may choose to put on it?
1: Mr. Skinsberg, there are several answers, I think, to that question. First of all, because the statute does not specifically say that. Congress knew how it could say As our adversaries say, national banks are simply empowered to engage in the business of selling insurance if the state permits them to do so. The statute, Section 92, submits the national bank only to the authority of the controller of the currency. It says the insurance company whose policies are being sold has to be a a, a company which is authorized by the state authorities. It does not say that the National Bank has to be authorized by the state authorities. And the Congress that considered and enacted Section 92, the very same Congress, also considered the question of branch banking. When it did so, and this appears, uh, I think, in more extensively in an amicus brief uh, uh, that's filed by a whole group of uh, uh, banking, local uh, state banking associations, uh, the court can see, I think at page 13 of that brief, where Congress put into the branch banking provisions that it was considering language which would have subjected the national banks to the authority of the state before they could open branch banks. Congress didn't do that with Section 92. So our first point is that the statutory language argues against that reading. Our second point is that the controller of the currency constant interpretation argues against that reading. The controller of the currency, of course, is the one who is authorized to administer this authority under section ninety two This court very recently, in its valid decision pointed out how the court gave deference to the controller of the currency and the controller of the currency since the enactment of this law has always read it as meaning that the national bank has national banks have authority independently of what the state may or may not do. Mr. That's what he, he, when, when you
3: when you say the controller of the uh, currency uh, is the regulator you don't mean to say do you that the selling of insurance by the bank no. couldn't be regulated by Florida.
1: Absolutely not, Justice Ginsburg. We agree that the qualifications of the agents who are selling are subject to all the state laws. The state licensure laws, which apply to all insurance agents, would apply to those who would sell it on behalf of the banks. And we're not arguing that the entire state licensure system is preempted or replaced. Our adversaries are trying to make the Court believe that maybe that's the consequence of our position. It is not at all. What we are saying is banks under Section 92 are permitted to sell insurance and then subject to the regulation of the kind of regulation that Congress had in mind when it enacted McCarran-Ferguson. It knew that prior to the Southeastern underwriter's case, there was a whole web of regulation on the part of the states of the business of insurance, including the licensure of agents. And consequently, when it enacted McCarran-Ferguson, it maintained that system of regulation in place. But when a state comes in after the fact, and for motives that are not the protection of policyholders with regard to the integrity or the ability of insurance agents, but which are anti-competitive motives. And we think that clearly emerges from this, the history of this statute well, as
0: well. Mr. Lewin, uh, the, the other side argues that there is a public motive uh, that you don't want the banks too closely tied up with the insurance in connection with a loan.
1: We understand that that is what they are saying. That is, first of all, that is contrary to the preamble that the, this statute had when it was first put in. And there is no other suggestion in the legislative history that there was a motive other than the, the motives which the preamble set out. That, but that motive pres-
2: wouldn't explain allowing uh, banks that are not uh, uh, part of bank holding companies to do it. As I understand the Florida statute it doesn't prohibit all banks
1: it does not prohibit banks that are in communities of less than five thousand that are not uh, 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 subsidiary to bank holding companies
2: and, the, and, pro- and, and the, uh, the, the the rationale of uh, <clears throat> stopping banks the, the anti the pro competitive rationale of preventing banks from from getting all of the business when they make the real estate loan uh, that that makes no no reason to uh, to limit it to non bank holding companies
1: that's true that distinction would not make would not make sense in that context i mean this, if, this, if you can't you doesn't carry across to uh, to all banks
4: the statute doesn't cover um, credit life either does it
1: no it does not so
4: that would be that would be i suppose the the field in which you would assume the banks would be most overbearing in trying to exercise their authority, and yet that's exempted.
1: It's true. There are really a number of very good rational arguments that demonstrate that this is not the purpose, this is, protection of consumers is not the purpose of the statute. The lines that are drawn, the legislative history, the fact that the statute invokes the Bank Holding Company Act, it doesn't say we're doing this because of the authority we have under McCarran-Ferguson to regulate insurance.
4: What do you say to the, to the argument, a kind of a subsidiary, subsidiary argument to be sure, but what do you say to, to the argument that because the effect uh, is to regulate what what your opponents describe as the point of sale of the insurance. That therefore you simply must impute uh, a, uh, a a uh, a purpose to regulate insurance to that effect, and therefore the purpose prong uh, of the statute is satisfied.
1: Well, we think that goes too far. Uh it, it would uh, – there is almost any kind of law that would affect insurance could be dressed up or could be explained after the fact in that way. Indeed, this Court's opinion — So it would read the intent opinions, requirement
4: out of this as – a, as a distinction, it would read the intent requirement it, out, you are saying?
1: It, it, we think it would not – it would not be an effective and useful distinction. And indeed, this Court's opinions in Pereno uh, and uh, in um, – uh, in the, uh, the prior cases where the court was considering these, uh, uh, the court rejected the argument that simply looking to either the solvency of the insurance company, whether it would ultimately be, be solvent, whether it would uh, and its impact on policyholders was a sufficient basis for saying. That its purpose was the regulation so that would of the to have business gone the of insurance, other way. Yeah. and the Pereno case does lay down three standards that make it clear that what we're dealing with is really the relationship between the, insur- the insurer and the policyholder. This is not a regul. This is not a statute that deals with the regulation of insurance within the meaning of the Pereno definitions. And this court has said in the Fade case, which is this Court's most recent uh, examination of this statute, and indeed one of only two. The Court said in fave that the only time it had previously looked at this language specifically about the regulation of insurance was in the national securities case, which involved the application of the securities laws to insurance companies and their ability to deal with potential stockholders and that regulation. But the Court said in fave also that the key test, the standard as to whether this was regulation of the business of insurance turned upon whether it dealt with the relationship between the insurance company and the policyholders, the actual implementation of that policy.
4: Are there cases uh, in the courts of appeals where a state has uh, what on its face appears to be a neutral law uh, that in effect uh, prohibits uh, the National Bank from acting as an agent, that is to say a state would have a law that no agent can have a loan relationship uh, with the
5: customer.
1: I don't know offhand of any. The cases in the courts of appeals have involved more specific, I mean, the Owensboro case and the Louisiana case that has come up through the Louisiana courts have involved more specific statutes that are directed really at financial institutions or banks rather than in this, in this more indirect manner, to my knowledge, but I think the same uh, question would come up if, in fact, the state were trying to reach national banks' power under Section 92 by camouflaging what they were really doing by making it appear to be uh, to be a. Uh, a different uh...
2: well, I don't know what about some other thing that you know that uh, that only ban- any characteristic that is possessed uh, exclusively by banks or at least is possessed by all banks are you saying that no such characteristic may may be made the basis of state regulation I thought you said earlier that state regulations uh, uh, of insurance including that sold by banks uh, continues to apply
1: well there were... but
2: not, but not uh, a regulation that says you, you, you cannot be an insurance agent if you 're also the lender
1: that would apply for, let me say first Justice Scalia, that only applies to the first prong or the first hurdle. It may be, and i 'm not questioning that if a state in fact had a legislative record that indicated that banks in some way um, were in a deceiving uh, uh, insurance customers, that it could not enact a statute that would reach that kind of practice, even if what they did is they did it in terms of reaching banks. But that would not affect the question of whether Section 92 Goes beyond that and specifically relates. Maybe it
2: wouldn't, but I am much less inclined to come out the way you would like me to. uh, With regard to the question of whether Section 92 specifically relates to insurance, I am less inclined to do it if I'm worried about what effect I'm going to be having. On state uh, state regulation, including a regulation which seems to me perfectly reasonable, that the insurer can't be the lender. You're saying that that would be bad. That
1: would be good. What do no, you? No, I think a a, a, a a more narrow statute that would reach certain kinds of practices would certainly be good. I'm not questioning. I, we have no problem with regulatory statutes that reach practices rather than rather than eliminate categories that's, that, that would
2: be okay uh, no insurance agent the lender can't be the insurance agent because that's going to be the next statute that florida passes you you know that's coming up
1: a, 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 any lender the no i think any, if if the purpose of that statute if the if the legislative record doesn't demonstrate that that is designed to protect consumers and it's really a way of getting around. Section 92, I think it would present a problem. I have to read the legislative to
0: history to figure that out.
1: Well, I think yeah. that's
0: right. Why, why would you require a legislative record, uh, Mr. Lewin? Most most state legislatures don't have legislative history.
1: It, that's true. But in this case, Mr. Chief... Well, General,
0: but you were speaking generally. You were speaking of whether a state law would be values if there was a sufficient legislative record.
1: Why is that a requirement? I think because in this case, Mr. Chief Justice, Congress has said so. Congress has said, enacted by any state, for the purpose of regulating the business of insurance. And you think
0: Congress meant there had to be an inquiry into the precise legislative motive in every case?
1: Well, I think when Congress says purpose and has used that in the statute, then I think for purposes of that hurdle, the court does have to look at purpose. Why,
0: why Why can't there just be a presumption that if there appears to be a purpose on the face of the statute, that probably is what Congress talked about?
1: That's a possible legal rule, Mr. Chief Justice. But I'm saying, nonetheless, a court has to deal with the fact that the statute says purpose. And in some way, it has to divine what the purpose was in enacting the statute. Congress could have eliminated the word purpose. It could simply have said enacted by any statute, by any state, regulating the, and the business of the Court of, of Appeals insurance. here went about divining the purpose, and it reached a particular conclusion. And we submit that conclusion is simply not justified for purposes, again, of the first prong of the test. I I have to keep emphasizing, and I would like to reserve some time for rebuttal, I would have to keep emphasizing that that's only one prong of two prongs that this statute, two hurdles that this Florida statute has to satisfy. One, it has to be for the purpose of regulating the business of insurance, and two, the federal statute with which it conflicts, has to be one that does not specifically relate to the business of insurance. And we submit section 92 plainly, specifically relates to the business of insurance.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Lewin. Uh, Mr. Brest will hear from you.
6: Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. In Section 92 of Title 12, Congress authorized national banks located in small towns to serve as insurance agents. Section 92 enables those banks to uh, earn an additional source of revenue to supplement the income that they earn in more traditional banking activities. In the Comptroller's view, national banks located in small towns need to earn that sort of supplemental fee-based income to remain competitive with other financial institution lenders. To the extent that Florida's anti-affiliation law prohibits national banks from selling insurance in small towns, it frustrates Congress's intentions and impairs the efficiency with which which the national banks in small towns can carry on their statutory function.
3: Mr. Bress, is the term uh, relates to insurance broader than the term uh, regulates insurance in the other portion of mccarran ferguson
6: yes your honor it is uh this court has interpreted the term relates to uh frequently and recently uh one thing relates to another if it refers to or has any connection with the other uh,
0: well, if, where, where do you get the, that definition of relates to from well this court used that
6: definition in fact used other broader terms in morales and in shaw
4: when were
0: those cases construing this particular act
6: No, I was, Your Honor, I was just getting to the words relates to. I will move on if you'd like. and
0: and get perhaps closer to this Act.
6: Certainly. Uh, If if this statute merely said relates to, then McCarran-Ferguson would arguably accept any federal law that has any uh, connection with interstate commerce. Uh, Congress did not intend that broad a scope. Congress added the modifier specifically to make clear that state insurance law would be preempted only when Congress has referred to, focused on, or acted specifically with reference to the business of insurance. Um, therefore, if Section 92, which is at issue here, uh, merely uh, authorized national banks to engage in commerce, that statute would not specifically relate to the business of insurance. Mr. Would we- yes,
3: in fave, this Court came pretty close to requiring a sort of clear statement rule for a law that relates to insurance by the federal government.
6: Your honor in its I agree in its description of that prong of the of the McCarran-Ferguson test this court stated uh, that it was a plain statement rule and use language to that effect. It was not a holding, however, of Fabe, and this Court has reminded us well, often. Well,
3: if, if there is some clear statement requirement, do you think this uh, section 92 meets it here?
6: Well, I guess that would depend what clear statement meant. If the clear statement had to be Congress saying, not only can banks do this, but we also affirmatively preempt state law to the contrary, no, this wouldn't pass it. but. Uh, the language that Congress actually used here, specifically relates to, does not require that sort of statement. Um, Congress, when it was passed in the McCarran-Ferguson Act, um, had in the bill that, was, uh, that originally went to the committee language that would have done that. That language said, unless uh, the act specifically so requires.
0: But the sentence Justice O'Connor
5: refers to, uh, says the first clause of 2B reverses this by imposing what is in effect a clear statement rule, a rule that state laws enacted for the purpose of regulating the business of insurance, do not yield to conflicting federal statutes unless a federal statute
4: specifically requires otherwise. Are we going to have to ignore that language to rule for your position in this case?
6: You may well, Your Honor. I believe that that language did not accurately describe the uh, text of the statute as it actually reads.
4: If, If we follow the position that Senator Ferguson has been quoted as taking, We would require at least that there be—I'm sorry—we would require that there be an express reference to insurance. Is that correct? We would find in most—not an express reference to preemption, but an express reference to insurance
6: in almost all cases. You would want to find the word insurance, or at least other words that meant insurance in the statute itself.
4: Yes. What kind of other words do you—you mean reference Uh, to specific policies? Exactly. Okay, but so some. Some verbal insurance reference, not necessarily the word insurance. That's right. Would, would we be in error uh, if we confined, uh, if we, in fact, defined the uh, specifically re- relate to language in that way? No,
6: I don't, I don't think you would. I think that would be a correct definition, Your Honor. In, and in, limited it to that. To statutes that specifically refer to insurance either in so many words or not. I think that would be the correct definition. But the
4: so many words have got to be words that, that either include the word insurance or refer to, what, an insurance product or a peculiar insurance practice? That's right. Yeah,
2: okay. Mr. Bress, can you help us out on, on what, uh, if, if Section 92 is read the, the, the way you wish, uh, what you know, you, you could say the bank can sell insurance, period, and the state can't stop it from selling insurance. You don't take that position. You say the state can continue to regulate that sale of insurance, right?
6: That's been the Comptroller's consistent position.
2: Well, now, what if it uh, what if it says uh, lenders can't sell insurance?
6: Well, a, a statement of lenders can't sell insurance would, in our view, conflict with Section 92's directive that banks, which are lenders, um, under under uh, 24, Section 24, can sell insurance. So there would be an express conflict. Well, I purposes. can think
2: of all sorts of other things that banks are, which, which you might want to regulate for the purpose of insurance. And, and you're saying, I, I don't understand you, how you draw Your Honor, line. you
6: may well want to, states may well want to regulate lots of things that banks are, but to the degree that the states purport to prohibit banks because they are those things, because the, nat- the federal legislation has made banks those things from selling insurance, you'd have a conflict with federal so, law. So the State
2: can't regulate anything that is a power or, or cannot exclude uh, from insurance agency any power that is a power accorded to banks by federal law?
6: Your Honor, I don't think I would. Lending
2: money, so far.
6: I think if, if the State attempted to out a power that the Federal Government has given to banks and that banks possess and use that as a characteristic for excluding those entities from insurance,
7: it would be preempted by Federal law. One, one thing There's is- a narrower interpretation, other than just banks can't or lenders can't sell insurance. What if the regulation says the insurance broker cannot sell to a policyholder who is indebted to the agent? They could sell generally. I mean, lenders could sell, but not, they couldn't tie the two together. Prohibit tying clause is
6: another. That would be a more difficult question, Your Honor. But you don't know the answer to that one. I don't know the answer to that one. I would probably venture the to controller say. The Comptroller General that
4: hasn't spoken to, to that anyway.
6: anyway. The Comptroller has not spoken to it. I'd like to speak to the preemption issue a bit more uh, generally, if I may. Uh, there's been an argument by respondent that the There's a presumption against preemption, and while that's ordinarily true when you've got federal and state laws that deal with private persons, here you've got an attempt by a state to regulate a federal instrumentality. And as this Court uh, noted in Franklin National Bank, uh, the federal government is a rival chartering authority, and when the states presume to control the instrumentalities of the federal government, uh, this Court has stated over and over that that sort of control can only be exercised with Congress's consent. And in Franklin National Bank, this Court made a point of pointing out various statutes in which Congress has expressly said uh, national banks may do this only if state banks may as well do it, or national banks may do it subject to state authority. Uh, In Franklin National Bank, it was critical that that statute, which used language like this statute, May language, did not have uh, that sort of state authorization. Uh, This case really should come out no differently than Franklin National Bank in that regard. Uh, The same point was made, by the way, by the court in the Easton case as well as in the Fellows case. Uh, Getting back to the specifically relates point to a moment, I'd like to reiterate that this statute not only mentions insurance but mentions it five times. It specifies which types of banks, what banks may sell insurance, what companies they may sell insurance for. It says who can put out the rules and regulations for insurance. And it has two express limitations on the sale of insurance. There's no question that Congress focused very specifically on insurance when it enacted Section 92, and that the statute is one that relates specifically to insurance. Under
3: no? well, your interpretation, what then gives the State the right to regulate the selling of insurance? By this bank if you say it needs federal commission. The state needs federal commission.
6: The, the federal government has not actually regulated the selling of insurance <laughs> by national banks and the absence of regulation by the federal government would mean that there would be no conflict with ordinary state rules regulating it. The other thing is, I, is I
0: thought it was your, your con- position a moment ago that it took actual congressional consent for the state to regulate a federally chartered institution, not just lack of conflict.
6: Your Honor, I I may have spoken too broadly. It does require consent, but this Court has assumed a background of consent to general state laws. For example, state laws um, regarding contracts, collection of debt, that sort of thing, have always applied to national banks. It's only where the state attempts to regulate the bank as bank where the state has gotten into
0: difficulty. Thank you, Mr. Brest. Uh, Mr. Sumner, we'll hear from you.
5: Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. By enacting the McCarran-Ferguson Act, Congress is broadly reserved for the state's regulation of the business of insurance and declared that state regulation of the business of insurance is in the public interest. Congress's intent to throw its weight, the weight of its power behind state regulation is clearly expressed in the McCarran-Ferguson Act. The Department of Insurance's position is that once a state law is established to regulate the business of insurance by protecting policyholders, that state law is preempted by a federal law only if the federal law is a clear statement that Congress intended for the state's regulation of the business of insurance to be displaced. When When you say clear, I, I thought I interrupted, no, go ahead, you have, please.
7: If the, it was simultaneous, the, 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 uh, suppose the state uh, passes a law, I mean the question to me at the beginning is whether this is a law that regulates insurance within the meaning of the act. Uh, Suppose the state says, uh, and the test can't be just whether it helps policyholders, is it? I mean, suppose the state says, I know a great way of helping our policyholders. When an insurance company gets into trouble under this statute, no insurance company has to pay their federal income tax. I didn't see anything in the federal income tax law that refers specifically to insurance. So what is it that would uh, make that statute be invalid? I'm helping uh, in our state in Florida. We think it's really nice, particularly towns under 5,000 where, you know, they have a tough time, and uh, they really don't want to pay their taxes, and they're shaky, and policyholder will be hurt. Uh, what, what's the law? What's the interpretation of the statute?
5: I think, first of all, you go to the, the core of the business of insurance, and you start there. and mm-hmm. the, Right at the core,
7: making money out of the policy, keeping the uh, uh, money there available for um, the policyholders so that, you know, the company won't go bankrupt and
5: so forth. Well, the, the core of the business of insurance goes to the issues of the enforceability, the reliability, and the uh, – I think the, also the suitability of an insurance contract. So if you're regulating the business of insurance, you are regulating the policyholder's protection over a current promise, a current contract for a future promise. That is So, an insurance. so that's
7: like from that's rates regulating selling and advertising, licensing companies and their agents, and relationship between the insured and the insurer. I take it that that kind of thing is right out of Secv National Securities. Yes, sir. All right. Well, then I don't see how you fit within it, because how, how, how do you fit within it? Why isn't this case more like the merger case? Mergers between two insurance companies aren't protected. This has to do with whether a bank holding company could own uh, a, an insurance company, which, after all, a small bank could own. I mean, which, which bank owns, which kind of a bank? Some banks can own. Small banks can own insurance agents. National banks can't. All right under this test, what's the difference between who can own the insurance agent, a big bank or a little bank, and the question of mergers of banks,
5: both being quite different from regulating the terms of a contract? Okay, let's basically start with the fundamentals of the regulation of the business of insurance and the insurer-policyholder relationship. The insurer-possial relationship is consummated in an insurance contract. That insurance contract needs to be enforceable, it needs to be reliable, and it needs to be fairly and suitably entered into. The individual who is responsible for bringing those parties together and creating an enforceable, reliable, and suitable insurance contract is the insurance agent. Therefore, I think the first question is, is the role of the insurance agent in that insurance transaction in making sure you have an enforceable, reliable, and suitable insurance contract part of the insurance policy-insurer-policyholder relationship? I think the answer to that definitely is yes. The question then becomes, if the insurance agent is an integral player in making sure that the insurer-policyholder relationship occurs. Then if the Florida legislature has found that the interjection of a national bank into the role of the agent in that insurer policyholder relationship creates the dangers of coercion, unfair trade practices and undue concentration of resources, whether or not that that interjection of those perils into the insurer policyholder relationship is a legitimate regulation of the business of insurance. There may be issues raised by the petitioner as to the wisdom of whether there were some other way of handling those perils, but if you look at the Michael M. case, the question is if the legislature has identified a particular method of addressing perils with regard to the protection of policyholders, then normally the Court gives great deference to the State's judgment. Which has been ratified by the state courts as to the manner in which that particular danger will be addressed. The petitioner repeatedly asserts that the that the dangers that have been asserted are disingenuous. There is no record evidence other than the preamble, which would anyway suggest that the state court cases, Production Credit and Glendale, which are cited in pages 20 and 21 of the uh, Department of Insurance brief are not the, the most accurate articulation of the purposes of this law. And I would point out that the law was enacted in 1974, the production case in 1978 indicated on page 20 that, there, that the legislature has found in Florida that there is inherent potential for abuse in banks engaging in insurance agent activities. In 1991, in the Glendale case, the uh, Florida appellate Court against It doesn't apply
2: to banks. It doesn't apply to banks. It applies to big banks.
5: If you want to talk about I think one of the issues is, why is there a prohibition against bank-holding companies and not all banks and allowing the small-town bank to to sell insurance in Florida? I believe that goes most directly to the issue of undue concentration of resources. Uh, The The argument which explains that particular element of the danger is that if a bank holding company is entitled, as the controller has allowed, through a branch in a small town to market in any geographical area, then that bank holding company can concentrate its entire marketing force into that one location and essentially use it as a venue to engage in the insurance business. If, if that is the object, why did they accept uh, credit life? Well, first of all, I think that in in the legislature's judgment, I believe there was a, a sense that with regard to credit life, there was more of a nexus between uh, the bank's interest in protecting loans and protecting credit than there was in the sale of other insurance. Yep. The, that Maybe
4: I don't understand. That, it would seem to me, would increased the likelihood that the bank would, in fact, unduly use its power to influence the issue of the issuance of this insurance. If the bank wants to be insured against anything, it wants to be insured um, uh, against losing uh, its, its loan return because of death. I so I, I should suppose the bank's temptation would be very high there. Why was it accepted? I think that was a legislative judgment, but again... If no, but, you, if, if, but it's a legislative judgment that seems to me to be at odds with the rationale that you were saying was the legislative purpose within the meaning of the statute.
5: I think it is at odds. Uh, if you look at uh, the Department of Insurance brief at page 5, in the record there's testimony that as the exception to 626 that in Florida the credit life has become an area where reverse competition has occurred, and that because of that reverse competition, where the competition is not for purposes of gaining customers but to gain market share, that the commission levels in those products have gone to as much as 80%. So it very well may be that the credit life by the record testimony is an example of the fact that, that perhaps the legislature should have made another judgment with regard that particular uh, line of oh, I
2: suppose you could say that no statute pursues its objectives at all costs, and uh, the legislature just said there's such a, uh, such an overwhelming reason why a bank would want to uh, sell its own insurance in these situations, that although the same risks might exist, we won't extend our prohibition that far. That's possible, I suppose.
5: Yes, sir, and I believe that one other thing I would want to point out is one of the Uh, one of the dangers uh, which uh, is identified, which is somewhat overlooked, but which has been found in Florida, is the issue of unfair trade practices. Uh, One of the issues that's very important is that with the sale of insurance products that that there is the peril that the insurance buying person will become deceived as to what is a bank product and what is an insurance product. So I think that more than just the the problem of, of tying it to a loan is the problem of, in essence, deception and, and consumers being misled.
7: I don't look at the legislative history of any of this and think, well, due to a person looking at this statute, the only purpose I can imagine it would have is that it wants to help the little banks make more money uh, by preventing the competition from the big banks. And it wants to raise the prices to the insurers who are buying the policies. And as a result, everybody's more secure. So it's a good insurance purpose. Make everybody more sh- secure. They make more money. There's less competition, less chance of default. All right? Suppose I thought that. Yes. They want, by stopping competition, to make everybody make more money, and the insured then has a better chance of getting a payoff on his policy. Then does it fall within the uh, McCarran Act any more than, than let's say, um, uh, the mergers between the two companies? I don't think so, because— In other words, it's outside the McCarran Act's exception. In other words, you lose the case unless you have some other policy, just, uh, some other reason for this statute other than just stopping competition. That's correct. All right, then, then why would that be? I mean, I, I don't know why the—I mean, I, I grant you that you'd like to say it has other purposes. I understand that, but I don't see why, in terms of the Act, it matters. I don't see why, in terms of the exemption, it matters whether the purpose is an anti-competitive purpose, a pro-competitive purpose, or what kind of purpose. In either
5: case, your purpose would be to help the uh, policyholder get a payoff on his policy. Well, I, th- I think that as long as, as McCarran-Ferguson requires that the law be enacted for the purpose of regulating the business of insurance, that there needs to be an inquiry as, into the purpose, and the purpose has to flow to regulation of the business of insurance, that is, the insurer-policyholder relationship. You need to be consistent with that term of art, the business of insurance. And that's a very important point in looking at the clear statement rule because there's been a lot of emphasis on the term specifically related. But the purpose here is to keep
7: the big banks out. That's virtually disputed. Keep the big banks out. And the question I would think would be is, is that a regulatory purpose? And exactly why you want to keep the big banks out, I would think, would be almost beside the point.
5: But I'm not sure. That's why I ask. Well, it depends on whether or not that the keeping the big banks out through the regulation of the insurance agent and their association with the bank is regulation. Whether or not that in looking at that law that there is a, a relationship there where that that law regulates, that is, controls, adjusts, or manages the business of insurance. That is, that whether it adjusts, adjust, controls, or manages a peril to the insurer policy relationship.
3: Mr. Sumner, with respect to the purpose of the Florida law, are you claiming any mileage as a result of the Florida Supreme Court decision you mentioned in Glendale?
5: Uh, That's a District Court of Appeal case. Uh, Yes, I am.
3: But is there a Florida Supreme Court decision interpreting this statute?
5: Uh, No, ma'am, there's not.
3: It's only the district, federal district court.
5: Yes, ma'am, in both cases, the uh, Supreme Court. District Court of Appeal. Yes, District Court of Appeal, yes, ma'am. in both cases, uh, the- But the,
3: this is a state intermediate appellate court, then?
5: Yes, ma'am. Yeah. But with, the, again, with the clear statement and, rule-
3: And you do claim some mileage, some extra weight beyond what's in the legislative history for what those state courts said?
5: Yes, ma'am, absolutely. If you look at the, M, at the Michael M. case, uh, you, you, again, look at the state's justification for a law, which is given great deference. In that case, they, uh, the court mentioned that the Supreme Court- of that state had given interpretation. But in this case, on two occasions, the state courts have looked at the purpose of the state law, and I would respectfully submit that the state courts ascertaining or, or, their, or their judgment as to what that particular state law means is entitled to great deference. With regard to the clear statement rule, I think it is very important to remember that for a law, federal law, to displace or preempt the state law It must specifically relate to the business of insurance. It must specifically relate to the insurer-policyholder relationship. Therefore, to specifically relate to the business of insurance with regard to preemption of a state law which regulates the business of insurance, I would submit that the test should be whether or not that the federal law is a clear statement that Congress intended to remove the policyholder protection afforded by the state law and replace it with a federal law.
0: Thank you, Mr. Sumner. Ms. Kapler, we'll hear from you.
8: Mr. Chief Justice, it may please the Court. Uh, The 11th Circuit ruled in the basis of McCarran, and the petitioner and the Solicitor General's office has stressed, in particular, the McCarran issue. But this Court need not reach the McCarran question because even under traditional preemption, there is no pre- – a traditional preemption doctrine, there is no preemption here. And the reason is simple. A state law that treats state chartered banks and nationally chartered banks even-handedly, which is what six twenty six ninety eighty eight does, does not interfere with the objectives of Congress in enacting Section 92, which, has stated – by the Solicitor General's office here today was to enable small nationally chartered banks to have additional revenue in order to enable them to compete with state chartered banks Well, it's not
4: quite that easy. Uh, the, The Solicitor General did not, I think, concede or suggest that this was kind of an equal protection clause for competition The the object which the Solicitor General argues is is behind the uh, Section 92 is indeed a competitive object. But his argument is that one way to provide that competition is to allow them to sell the insurance, period. He didn't concede, uh, it seems to me, uh, that uh, it was simply to put them on an equal footing in the sale of insurance with state banks.
8: Perhaps I overstated I certainly didn't mean to say he's conceding that there's preemption here, he's, or there's no preemption. He certainly is not. No, but he wasn't
4: conceding that there was there was kind of a, an, as I put it, an equal protection clause here for state and federal banks. And, in fact, the argument is, for which there has been, uh, I think, some evidence adduced here in the courtroom, uh, that, in fact, the, 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 the point of the statute was to allow them to get into the insurance business so that they could earn money and, generally speaking, be more competitive against their state rivals. And it seems to me that that's what you've got to refute here.
8: Your Honor, the legislative history, and although it is very scant here, there is one letter from the Comptroller who drafted this legislation and proposed it to the, to the uh, Congress who accepted that proposal as written and, and, in fact, used this letter as the explanation, the sole explanation for the statute. And the, the drafting
4: of the statute is consistent with that in the sense that the statute says nothing about may sell insurance if state banks sell insurance, may sell it if state regulation allows it simply gave them a power to sell, uh, and, and I would suppose that was consistent with the with the letter.
8: Your Honor, in fact, the letter it, letter makes absolutely clear that what the comptroller was worried about was allowing them to get additional revenue, but additional revenue in order to ena- enable them to compete with state charter banks who had the well, sure. If powers. they go out of
4: business, they can't complete. But I mean, the argument was they need the additional revenue because given the sort of piddling deposits that they tend to get in these little towns, they just can't earn enough money to stay in business if they haven't got some other revenue source. Wasn't that basically the argument?
8: And they were having problems competing with state banks who had this authority. You don't you know, you know, admit the terms of a
2: statute by its purpose. I mean... If the purpose of enabling them to sell insurance was was to enable them to compete, we don't read into the statute they can sell insurance only when it is necessary to enable them to compete. Congress passes lots of laws for purposes uh, which do not require as much as Congress uh, confers in the law. What the law says is that they can sell insurance. And it not only says that, it says in addition to the powers now vested by law in National Bank, in addition to those other powers, do you know any other power that a National Bank has which can be eliminated by states?
8: Your Honor, it, the, the fellows' case is very instructive. It, there's a difference between a non-banking power and a banking power, and the fellows' court articulated the difference. The courts made absolutely clear, and the petitioner keeps repo, re, um, relying on the, on the provisions of the fellows' case dealing with banking authority. The fellows' decision...
0: Fellows, <laughs> is, you're talking
8: about? Yes, correct, Your Honor. First National Bank versus Fellows. It's cited in the reply brief of petitioners. The cite is 244 U.S. It's a 1917 case contemporaneous with the enactment of Section 92. In that decision, this Court explained that when it comes to banking powers, the incidental powers, of course Congress can grant those authority and the State can't interfere with those unless Congress says they can interfere. But when it comes to non-banking powers, and there was the power to act as an administrator for stocks and bonds. When it comes to non-banking powers, Congress has the authority to grant those additional non-banking powers in order to allow the national banks to compete with the state charter banks, because otherwise they'd suffer injury that they could not in- engage in their banking powers. The Court went on to say that in those areas, in the exercise of those non-banking powers, the principle is that so long as the state law is not discriminatory – the national banks are, are, must abide by the state laws. They, they, don't on... they, they, they don't contend
2: that here. They don't contend that they need not abide by state laws. D- does that case hold that those non-banking powers can be eliminated by the states?
8: It says they are fully regulable by the states, Your Honor. Th-
2: they acknowledge that they're regulable here. Uh, uh, Mr. Lewin said they're regulable. What we're talking about is whether they can be eliminated. Does this case say they Honor, can be that's eliminated? That's what the
8: Fellow's case was talking about. That's eliminating eliminating
2: the power entirely. Yes. The issue
8: there was whether, the Michigan, whether Michigan law would have allowed them to uh, to engage in this activity or not. That's precisely what the case was about. So the commerce power is,
4: is, is limited? Is that what you're saying?
8: I don't think it's the commerce power. And there, what they were talking about, of course, Your Honor, was the fact the necessary and proper clause, um, which is tied to the currency clause. No, but the, the, the,
4: the power to, to regulate insurance as a commerce power and it seems to me that you were saying insofar as it involves banks it doesn't relate specifically to banking uh, there is a limitation and hence it must be a limitation on the commerce power
8: Your Honor at the 19... Maybe I don't
4: understand your Well in
8: 1916 it was not a commerce power because Congress Well it concerned. is now
4: and it seems to me that that's the consequence of your argument Am, am I missing a step?
8: No I'm not I'm not, tr- I'm not trying to suggest that as a constitutional, a constitutional matter it could not have said that the national bank can act, and act, uh, act this way, and the states can't interfere. All I so you're back.
4: It seems to me you're back to the clear statement point. In no, other Your words, Honor. if they say it clearly enough, they can do it. If they don't say it clearly enough, they can't do it?
8: No, Your Honor. I am saying that under traditional preemption analysis, there is no conflict unless there is an interference with the objectives of Congress. And the objectives of Congress is stated in the legislative history and as consistent with the principles articulated by the Supreme Court at the time, okay, but to do you, enable do we, the state bank to compete.
4: I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. If you, you agree, then I take it, that if we do conclude that Congress – was quite clear in its intent to allow banks to do this, period, that's the end of the issue.
8: Under traditional preemption, would yeah. be the end of the issue, correct, Your Honor. It would yeah. not, certainly not be the end of the issue under the McCarran-Ferguson Act. And in fact—
4: Simply because we have two other steps. I'm just dealing with your first point, your first argument.
8: If, if your
4: first argument is there's no preemption because there's no conflict.
8: Correct, Your Honor. Right. Because there's no interference with the objectives of Congress. So everything
4: turns on whether we conclude that Congress did indeed intend to give the the banks the power to do this, uh, uh, free of the right of a state to eliminate it entirely. And if we say yes, that was Congress's intent then we get into McCarran-Ferguson.
8: Great. although it's sort of, uh, I think it's difficult to think of whether there's an intent to preempt, your Honor, because there, the statute in its legislative history is absolutely silent on its effective state law. The question is sort of what are the larger objectives of the Well, but that, that
4: then gets in us into the third issue. issue, and I take it your position there is uh, that in order to preempt, the preemption has got to be expressed. Is that correct?
8: Under under McCarran, Your Honor? Yeah. No, Your Honor, that is not our position. Our position is similar to to Mr. Sumner's, exactly the same as Mr. Sumner's position is, that in order to specifically relate to the business of insurance, it is a clear statement rule. The clear statement is that Congress must clearly. But not not
4: necessarily a clear statement of preemption. You don't take that position.
8: No, Your Honor, that would be an easy case, but it's not necessary. What they must clearly state is that, in fact, they mean to displace state insurance regulation. That is, they are enacting. Uh, federal insurance regulation and and in particular What
3: do you do with the legislative history that was recited to us by Mr. Lewin that Congress had such language before it in McCarran uh, Ferguson and it rejected that in favor of the broader um, specifically relate Language.
8: Right, I think the only language we rejected is, is a language that would require an actual preemption clause. Um, we're not saying you need an actual preemption clause. If, for example, a, statu- a federal statute says um, every life insurance policyholder shall have five days to review a life insurance policy um, before they are bound by the terms of the policy, that would make it absolutely clear that what Congress was trying to do was regulate the business of insurance. Not just insurance. I mean, petitioner would constantly uses the word insurance as if that were sufficient. Every McCarran case that this court has yes, addressed, but of course, not it doesn't
2: say regulate. It says relates to.
8: Correct, Your Honor. But the question is sort of what is relationship, and that's precisely what this court looked at in Blue Cross and other cases in which they deemed what is re- what is the relationship, which is only informed by knowing what the what the. Purposes, the objectives of the statute were in McCarran. What Congress was trying to avoid, everyone agrees, was inadvertent preemption, inadvertent application of the law to the business of insurance, to the spreading the transfer of risk, the, the protection of the policyholder. That's every what that every to
7: that. I mean, that's what I'd like is just. Can you just spend a minute helping me out with that? The the uh, uh, my r- impression from reading Perino and the SEC. At, in, Cases that we talked about is that this is rather narrow. This word regulation of insurance and really refers to where the policyholder, what do you charge him, uh, what are the terms of the contract, etc. This is a statute that says big banks, but not little banks, can go into the insurance businesses in small towns. The opposite: big banks can't, little banks can. not To me, does this more like a merger? I.e., what are the entities that own these agents? And mergers are outside the word regulation.
8: Mergers but but the,
7: the, what those words say in a contract are inside regulation. Why isn't this more like the first than the second? Because, That's what I need a little help on.
8: If I might, Your Honor, the, because mergers, as the Court held, the mer- particular Arizona merger law that was issued, it concluded, was in fact enacted to protect stockholders. Not to protect So, the if, in fact, insurance.
7: if that's the key, then we go back to a law that says they don't have to pay income tax, uh, they don't have to uh, comply with a whole bunch of things, because that protects stockholders. There are a lot of ways we could no, make No, Your Honor, insurance. It, if, it, if
8: it protects stockholders, it is not enacted for the purpose of regulating insurance. That's what national security Sorry. Says. I mean, it, we go back to the
7: income tax and all these exemptions that will protect policyholders. I, that can't be the law, well, you, I wouldn't think.
8: Your Honor, I think you're echoing the, di- the difficulty the dissent had in Fabe with the test that the majority set up. I, I absolutely and, am. But the, and so the question is, what is how, — how close must the, must the protection of be? And, and Fabe
7: seemed to be a case in which the court majority held that the policyholder has a secured interest in the money that will go to pay off that policy. And if that's so, Fabe is a case that's pretty closely related to the very dollars that are going to pay the, uh, the policyholder much more close to the words of a contract than to a merger of the entity's owning.
8: Your Honor, here it is precisely related to whether, the, as found by this every state court that has looked at this, as reflected in the legislative history, as confirmed by those administrators, that it goes directly to whether the policyholder can purchase a, a, a policy that is best suited for him or whether we will be coerced into buying a policy they do not want to purchase. That particular decision, the decision whether the policy is one that is appropriate for them, that was the design behind it. That is the nexus, the establishment of the relationship between the policyholder and, and the insurer. Big banks can coerce
2: not, and little banks can't coerce. I don't understand.
8: You want Just the, the exceptions you were struggling with and Justice Souter was struggling with, the Glendale Court struggled with and found that, that, that these were reasonable decisions the court, the legislature could have made. And, in fact, they could have decided, these little banks, that there was a problem with the accessibility of insurance in these small towns. So they'd let, well, let the banks. Let the little
2: banks, banks coerce. You, that, that, that's what you thought. Well,
8: it also found that might, they need
2: the money. So we'll let the little banks coerce, but not the big bank.
8: I can't. Believe no, certainly not, Your, certainly not, Your Honor. And all, the Glendale Court also said and could have reasonably found they didn't have enough power. Similarly, with regard to credit insurance, the court decided it, the Glendale see, Court. didn't have enough
2: power to coerce? They're, they're making you the loan. I mean, you...
4: You didn't grow up in a small town.
8: Um, Your Honor... <laughs> Your Honor, yeah, I did, Your Honor. I, I, not at a time when I was asking for a loaner. But at the time, but at the, time the, the fact of the matter is that the court looked at this. They heard evidence. They decided this. I mean, these exceptions don't go any more towards what the petitioner wants to say this statute is. petitioner wants to say this statute just is a protection for insurance agents. Well, if it were just a protection for independent insurance agents, why did they let them sell credit insurance? You ask the same question. Those exceptions come from something else. The legislature has made hard decisions, hard policy decisions, where to draw the line, and has allowed it to sell credit insurance because he doesn't have
2: to establish the purpose. You have to establish the purpose. I mean, it may give as many problems to him as it does to you, but it's not part of his case.
8: But, Your honor, the, est- the purpose is established. The purpose is articulated in the preamble, in every state court that has looked at it, who heard evidence, in every. Tra- I mean. In fact, Your Honor, we have established it. Their whole argument is it's a sham. That's their whole argument. It's a sham. The only way you can do that is to ignore what Florida state courts have definitively said, unanimously, without any contradiction, is, in fact, the purpose of these state laws. You must ignore that in order to rule in petitioner's favor. And there's no basis for doing that here. Absolutely none.
0: Thank you, Ms. Kapper. The case is submitted.